In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I don't know why you said that in such a drawn-out way. And I'm Evan. I'm a football player who's just lost all his mojo. I'm Ronnie. <laughs> I appreciate how yours was topical, Ronnie. Thank you for yeah. being the voice of reason here. And we have tr- a special guest with us today. We do. We have a very, very, very special guest. The specialist. Um, from, oh, from Rise itself, uh, the actor who portrayed Michael... We have Ellie Desitel. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Ellie. Hi. It's going very, very good. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Of course. I'm stoked to be here. Not as stoked as we are, trust me. (laughs) You're way more famous than we are. (laughs) Marginally. (laughs) So Um, before we get into Rise, if you're joining us for the first time, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows that have only lasted for a single season. Uh, We are currently covering Rise, but... Uh, I have one of my patented bits that oh. we got to do first. Ellie, you yeah. are in for a treat. Oh, Andy's it, it, bits. My bits. Oh, well, now it sounds weird, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't mean like that. My goofs. Let's call it a goof. My goofs was, are great. I was going to do a chef kiss emoji kind of thing, but now, uh, now you made it weird. Yeah. <laughs> so two weeks ago, I asked you about a Christmas past. Last week, I asked about Christmas presents. So because ghosts are cool, what do you guys think Christmas will be like in 100 years. Christmas has changed so much in the last 100 years. So what what is future Christmas going to be like? I got to take, I got to, oh, you want to go first, Ellie? Go ahead. Sure. Uh, Maybe we were not going to have trees. Oh, maybe we won't even have like real fireplaces. It'll just be like holographic fire. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm basically there. Predicted. So many times before, and we're still not really there yet. So who knows? Right. We'll yeah, skip I thought right you over were like going hologram thought... Tupac and hologram Taylor Swift and stuff, and just say like, you know what? Let's scale this back a little bit. Hologram fireplace. Right. <laughs> I thought you were going in a very dark direction, where like, well, there won't be trees because we'll be living in an apocalyptic wasteland oh, of the true. future because <laughs> global warming is going to destroy us. Yeah. And, you know. Anyway, here we are. Good thing we're going to be dead. <laughs> um, this got dark. Yeah. She's Evan. Sorry. Uh, I think that uh, like the old school pagan deities and celebrations are going to make a resurgence. They're already becoming like more trendy and more socially acceptable. Like everyone's into Der Krampus now. So, <laughs> oh my <God>. um, <laughs> so yeah. Krampus is for sure going to come back in a big way. Um, I feel like we're going to we're going to do some Saturnalia shit. We're going to have some bonfires. We're going to have some orgies. It's going to be great. It's going to be way more um way more exciting and uh and edgy than current Christmas. Sure, sure. I think I I, I think Maybe. I saw <laughs> I think I saw this a couple weeks ago that like the the Boston Dynamics team, the team behind like Big Dog and all the robots that can like climb over terrain and will definitely <laughs> eventually kill us all. Um, Those good boys. 
they they made reindeer. They made, they made reindeer that, that I, pull a sleigh. I think this was actually discussed on on Cryptid Keeper briefly. Was it? They just touched okay. like they weren't like the robots aren't cryptids. I sure. Think, no. I think that's where I heard it mentioned recently. I have not seen this, but I have heard of this terrible monstrosity right. that has come about as a consequence of the modern world. Well, it got me thinking, like how like how far are they going to push that? Like, I think in a hundred years we will certainly have like robot Santa. Like we already like there's rumors of like Amazon drones. We will well, have robot so Santa. So an Claus. actual guy coming down the chimney sure that would be sure. terrifying look yeah. first off if we, we have, have that chimneys. now because santa is real okay there we go santa's real and uh he's just trying his best you're you're also, joking i believe in i believe that way too recently but keep going also i feel like futurama has a robot santa and i don't think that turned out well for them so yeah well i don't think any of these robots that we have running around are going to turn out well for us but we didn't. We didn't think. Stop to think about whether we should. We just stopped to think about whether we could. And now we have evil robot Santa if sponsored by Jeff get Bezos BB-8 and Amazon. Out of this, I'm on board. Oh yeah, if just BB-8 yeah, becomes your companion and so friends, yeah. you'll take all the evil robots. Exactly. That's legit. All right, what's your Christmas future looking <laughs> like? My Christmas future is uh, a little bleak. I think the. Uh, the gays and the libs will finally win the war on Christmas. And there we go. It'll be the uh, gays TM. Yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll just be a uh, holiday nightmare land where we all worship uh, the the Christian devil. Oh, so my my future basically. Well, y- yeah. Your yours was a bit more old school because okay. all those ancient pagan deities were like Baal and stuff. It's way older than the Christian devil. And whatnot, that that is so, true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think uh, we'll just have a, a, a Christmas nightmare land. People will celebrate Christmas in secret because uh, the war on Christmas <laughs> will have already been been won. Christians it, will will tremble as they they light the final Christmas tree in their underground bunker. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm dreaming of a po- post-apocalyptic holidays, y'all. Well, it's only they, it's they, only they, post-apocalyptic they, if you are like a fundamentalist Christian. They they hang their their one stocking that they hide all year. Right. All right this is actually making me sad because yeah. I love Christmas. I love trees. Christmas too. Yeah. Hang your uh, stockings can... up with grief. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about rise. Yeah, Let's we talk about fun things <laughs> yeah. now. Yay! Yay! Our goof is over. Okay. Um, I do the summaries. That's what I do. I. I prepared. Evan, um, what show are we talking about? And what episodes are we talking about uh, of this show? We are talking about the television program Rise, uh, which Woo. was on, I knew this last week, NBC? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let me it. go. And uh, for this podcast, we have watched episodes seven and eight. Uh, episode seven is entitled, This Will, God Willing, Get Better. But it's missing any punctuation, so it actually says, true. <laughs> this will, God willing, get better. <laughs> In this episode, uh, everything is figuratively on fire. Nobody's buying tickets for the show. The principal says that they're not going to have a budget for next year if he doesn't sell tickets to the show. Mashis, the kid that's uh, living with uh, Lou and his wife, um, 
this is right at the end, but he hears that his mom's out of prison and then he might have to go live with her again. And we don't really know how he feels about this. Robbie, the football man, is uh, like still caught in this liminal space between the football team and the drama program. And the coach is being real shitty to him because he like won't choose a side. And Michael beats someone up. Oh, Michael <laughs> does beat up a guy. That's yeah. correct. A yeah. real sweaty, sketchy looking dude. Yeah, so um, <laughs> Michael's friend, whose character name I have forgotten. Uh, Sasha. Sasha. Sasha is pregnant with this douchebag's uh, baby, and um, he confronts her in like a restaurant, and uh, Michael beats him up. And well, also then- at the beginning of the episode, it's it's important to clarify that uh, we just have found out that Michael and Sasha had a past friendship. Yeah. Yeah. That for some reason um, fell apart. I wish that we had, like, that they had interacted before this episode because it would have given that a little context, but uh, yeah. we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> episode eight is called The Petition. It is so titled because, uh, yet again, uh, the, the show is facing potential disaster because all the parents have found out how racy and edgy and sexy it is uh, because someone in the drama program cut together a very like racy sexy video of the students at rehearsal and like put it on youtube or whatever but they couldn't say youtube because that's a branded website so they put (laughs) it online and uh like it caused ticket sales to go up because it was edgy and sexy and racy but then, like, the principal found out about it, and, like, parents found out about it, and everybody freaked out, and there was a petition going around to shut down the show. Also, uh, a thing that I really appreciated about this episode is that uh, Lou is finally starting to see some some consequences for, for pushing a little too hard, which had been one of my major complaints. But, um, yeah, so the principal then attempts to sort of pit Tracy against Lou by... Loki offering her her job back and uh, saying like, look, you gotta, you gotta stop Lou. You gotta, you gotta stop all this racy, sexy stuff from happening and then you can have your job back. And so now she's got stakes. And then a, also a prominent feature of this episode is uh, Sasha sort of grappling with the decision about whether or not to keep this uh, baby that she has got by this douchebag boyfriend of hers. So, that's most of what's going on in episode 7 and 8. Again, there's a lot of characters. There's quite a lot of plot threads flowing throughout. I just tried to hit the highlights there. But, sure. Uh, let's, let's, let's dive in. Um, yeah, let's, let's dive in and we'll, uh, we'll talk about whether or not these two episodes of NBC's Good Good Rise is working for you, Andy. Yeah. Is these two episodes of NBC's Good Good Rise working for you? It sure is. Yes. Yes. Very much yes. Uh, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. Are these two episodes of NBC's theater TV show Rise working for you? They are. Um, I was not feeling good about episode seven. I was I was afraid that I was going to have to go into this like, ah, I can't, I can't like dunk on it too hard because we've got somebody from the actual show here and but (laughs) no thankfully i really genuinely liked episode eight quite a bit 
And uh, as a result, I'm really feeling good about this whole thing. So, yeah, Very it's cool. working for me. Um, Ellie. Yeah. Uh, based on your experience uh, being on this show, based on your experience as an actor and in your rewatching of it, uh, did these two episodes of NBC's Rise work for you? Um, yeah. I mean, I do also have like my own um, opinions on what doesn't work. Absolutely. Um, sure. But as an actor, they absolutely worked. And then rewatching it, uh, I have my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, did these two episodes of NBC's Rise rise to the occasion for you? Ba-dum-tsh. They sure did. Love these episodes. I knew they did. Yeah, yeah, we we know you. We know how you. Oh, do. stop it! Oh, stop it! I can be critical. I just haven't yet, <laughs> ever in the entire history of the show. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about this damn fine show. Yeah, for sure. I have good news for you because I do actually have positives. Oh, this good. Week, which is not to say I've not had positive in positives in previous weeks, but I've and, had and, some grievances to air previous weeks. But I do sure. have some very enthusiastic positive things to say. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into a little bit of the positives, some of the things that worked for us. And, uh, and then we can, we can, Ellie, if we can, we can ask you about some of the questions about your experience with yeah, the show. Yeah, of course. So Evan, shower yes. me, shower me with all the positives that you have. Oh, I'd love to, Ronnie. Um, Do it. so a, a large portion of my complaints up to this point have been that, as portrayed in the show, it really reads to the audience like Lou is like having a midlife crisis and sort of putting all of this burden on these students and putting them under a lot of pressure that's not really fair to them. And he doesn't seem to really register like the harm it's doing to them potentially and doesn't really seem to like take responsibility for all of the conflicts and problems that he's causing. And in episode eight in particular... He really, he seems to finally get it, which is something that I wish we'd seen more of earlier in the show. But mm -hmm. um, he does, he, he speaks to the, the football coach and he's like, look, I, I did wrong. I made, a, I made a bad call. I put all this pressure on Ronnie, or not Ronnie, Robbie. Robbie. You're Ronnie. I'm Who Ronnie. Who am I? What's happening? Um, <laughs> Robbie, the, uh, the football player. Um, so he like makes peace with the football man and he says like you know if Robbie wants uh to dedicate more time to football he should and he has that right and he should take this week off rehearsal and do so that was like the most moderate thing I've ever seen him do the most reasonable thing and someone confronts him I actually forget which character it is but someone confronts him and basically says like you are doing harm to oh it's the 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 religious dad and I gotta say, I I am loath to agree with that guy in any capacity. But he does confront Lou, and it does seem to affect Lou to some degree, where he says, like, look, you're you're harming these kids. You're thinking about yourself, and you're not thinking about, like, their wants and their needs and their real actual lives. And you need to, like, reconsider what you're doing here and what's really best for, for them. He was... This, this religious fellow had kind of the wrong angle he was coming at that from. But 
the the end result was that like somebody like said what needed to be said to Lou, basically. Yeah. Um, we also uh the thing with Tracy where the principal is like trying to get her to censor the play to give her her job back. This puts her in a position where, and of course we know what's going to happen because it's TV. She's going to decide that like the show is worth more to her than the job. Um, I wish that sort of important character decision had come earlier for her, like several episodes ago, so that that way, like we, the audience could sort of feel reassured that in spite of Lou essentially taking her job from her, like she cares more about his vision than the money. And it's a little bit late in the game for that at this point, but that is something that I definitely wanted to see from this character, basically, was more characters affirming that the show really means something to them as opposed to, like, Lou just driving and driving and driving and sort of making everyone's life miserable. So, those were my positives. Sure, sure. Some of the things that really stood out for me were a lot of Michael's scenes. A lot of, oh, you know, you. kind of that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> seriously, uh, you know, it... it we we had talked about uh, last week on the show. So Ellie, a little bit of background. I yeah. um, so I am an alumni of Truman Drama, mm-hmm. um, and while this show was kind of coming together, <laughs> I was working as the tech director for Truman's theater program. Oh, um, sick! Yeah, yeah. I had followed on Twitter, all of course, everything about the show. Mm-hmm. But the coolest moment to me was when something came across my my Twitter feed from someone who had no connection to the show. Um, that said they were looking to put a trans character in Rise, but more importantly, cast a trans actor. And that was like really monumental for a lot of different reasons Mm -hmm. uh, to everyone who was was in the performance at that time, who everyone was really excited about it. I certainly think, and, and you can speak more on this, that there is a way they could have done that and really did a bad job. But I think that the show just really... It did it. Diggity darn best. It did it. it yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's tricky to, to show somebody not so much going through that first step, but kind of coming of age, learning what it's like to be trans yeah, and, and learning you know, in this new environment, in this theater program that that person has never been a part of. Yeah. I, I just thought that the show did a good job, and of course, you did a phenomenal job. Thank you with, uh, with portraying that. Well, yeah, I mean, Jason Kadams is like the king of authenticity, um, and he. It, I mean, it, it's it's so clear that he would want he he would have wanted to have a trans actor in the show, um, not just have a trans character, but to have somebody who has the lived experience of being trans. And while I didn't have the lived experience of being trans in high school because I had, I didn't know that I was trans in high school, I still had my own lived experience that I could bring into Michael and even bring into um, maybe what I, like it, it, it uh, helped me fig- like imagine what it would have been like if I had known I was trans when I was in high school. So, but yeah, uh, Jason's so amazing in that aspect he's he really is the king of authenticity i know my big positives were uh surrounding um a lot of the stuff having to do with simon and simon's mom i thought um 
that was really powerful, uh, especially the scene where, and God, I hope this wasn't in episode nine, but um, Simon talking to his sister while his parents were arguing. Yeah, no, that's an eight. Okay. Yeah, that's an eight. <sighs> okay, sweet. <laughs> I agree um, with you as the, well. That was that you eight. never touch me. That's a great yeah. pop. I'm not yeah. making fun of it. I can not mimic that, but I love that way she delivers that line. Oh, Stephanie J. Blog is so amazing. And um, I'm worried that people might take that as thinking that Simon's dad is like a really repressed queer. And if that's the direction that the show was kind of aiming for, like I'm not, I'm not down with that like trope of like, oh, the homophobe was actually gay the whole time. But I know people who are really, really sexually repressed just in general because of their their faith where they were taught their whole lives that sex is kind of icky and only meant to make kids and they have these kind of just not healthy marriages because of that ayo sexual dysfunction i was raised catholic so yeah i was had a lot of that guilt culture so i know exactly yeah and, and that i think is something i've never seen talked about in a tv show let alone like a secular mainstream TV show. So I thought that was really cool that they were tackling that. And it's so brutal to see it from Simon's perspective. Like his parents are dealing with some really heavy shit and it, 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 him and his sister just kind of like overhearing it was, was brutal and really powerful. Um, I love seeing Michael, uh, jack that motherfucker up against the wall. That was <laughs> rad. Um, anytime queer characters get to like step up and like have a hero moment, I'm all for it. Um, you were excellent, Ellie. I'm not Thanks. just saying that. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Did you feel like a badass? Oh yeah, it was really tiring though. It was pretty warm in there, and I was uh-huh. wearing like, a lot of layers. <laughs> Good shit. But yeah, those were those were like my big standouts uh, for positives. Um, also, the music continues to be fantastic yeah. and really, really good. That, um, that's part of what I wanted to say a little bit was like the ending of these two episodes were so powerful. The first one being kind of Lou walking back into rehearsal after storming out and, and the whole cast is in their uh, rendition of Touch Me. Um, and... And, you know, the tear comes to Lou's eyes the same way that a tear comes to Vanessa, um, Vanessa's eye earlier in the series. And, and it just kind of is, is an excellent parallel. And then again, mm. the next episode, it just like seeing Robbie win that game, go home, you know, show Lou his mom. You know, I, I talked about last time where Robbie is, is this character that's kind of pulled in a million different directions. And it, it's hard to really feel like you're getting much genuine because it's always what everyone else wants him to do. But that's a moment where he's like confirming with Lou, like, Hey, like I'm not taking coach Strickland back here. Like I'm taking you, like, this is the thing I want to be a part of, um, to show like my whole self. And I just felt like that was, I don't, I don't remember if there was music really resounding with that one, but the way that they wrapped up both of these episodes was really, really powerful. I think. Oh, at the end of, uh, of, of eight, it's Ellie singing, whispering. Oh yes. Yeah. 
Oh, goodness gracious. That is so good, too. I'm not yeah. laughing. I just love how much you love musical theater, Ronnie. Oh, I, it's it's <laughs> this whole... Yeah, I... I we, we, we'll talk about next week um, what our season two would be, but, like, the Very amount cool. of things that I would pitch of just, like, the musicals that you could do after Spring Awake is just, like... Oh, oh, this this has been like so, so well threaded, so well sewn through the plot of this show has been the musical of Spring Awakening. And I, I, you know, of course, the writers of this show did a tremendous job in doing that. But I think it's exactly what Lou says in the beginning of the show, like this Spring Awakening is so well parallels so much of, of what teenagers in high school are experiencing. So I think that you know, however they wrote it, if they wrote, if they decided after the fact that Spring Awakening was going to be the show they did, I think it would still be, you know, tremendous the way that they could weave it through and make it just so punchy and so poignant the whole time. Mm-hmm. What was the, Ellie, question for you, what was the, the, you know, the balance of, of you know, working on, because as I think about this through a musical theater perspective, you know, you spend a lot of time with your vocal director, a lot of time with your acting director, the blocking what was the balance there? Because I know I know y'all had to do a lot of work on getting these songs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we would uh, learn songs for like new episodes, like while we were shooting other ones um, mm-hmm. and kind of do rehearsals for that and also do some recordings so that we could have music for when we were doing it on set. So it was like the stuff that we were recording, a lot of it did end up, on the album on like the finished album but a lot of it was really um it had to be re-recorded for the album but it was mostly for um for doing it on set and on the stage and having like our little ear things in and yeah we had uh you know choreography rehearsals too and it was a it was a lot of work and on top of like being prepared for your scenes and um being there to do them and uh yeah there was i mean i would say it wasn't very evenly balanced it was much more on camera stuff um but yes there was a ton of work put into learning our songs and and all and doing all that it was it was a lot (laughs) that's so cool so cool some of my good moments for um I guess I'll I'll do both episodes for seven would have to be. Yep. I mean, the Michael and Sasha stuff is really fun, but it does, I agree, come out of like nowhere. Um, And, but what I really, I, I love the, the Maisha stuff. I think Mm -hmm. the, the Maisha scenes in episode seven and a little bit of the Gordy and Gwen stuff is really, really cute and exciting. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that the Maisha scenes shine through in episode seven. Um, and they're the most cohesive scenes, too. It's, I feel like, the most cohesive story in the in that episode. Um, whereas, you know, the Simon and Annabelle and uh, Jeremy story, it's there, but it's a little, it's, like, kind of thrown in there. And, mm-hmm. But it's really, it's really Maisha's that shines through in that episode I think and it has a lot to do with um Robbie really struggling to to be emotionally available on stage while he's so frustrated with 
his life in football and his life at home being so pressured to be the best. Um, so that emotional struggle on stage is not, you know, surprising. So yeah, it's a, I, I think episode seven is great, but, um, I love episode eight and I think the, the story that shines through for me, not even just the story, but the scenes that shine through for me are, um, Auli'i and, uh, Shirley playing, uh, Lilla and Vanessa, those scenes about like, are you with coach? Cause you told me you're, you're not. And she's, you know, Vanessa's trying to justify her actions and, at Lillette is just like, um, no, 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 you don't have any excuses for this. Are you kidding me? And I love the way that she she talks to her mom in these scenes and in the in the scene later on, um, where they have a fight because uh, you know Lilla is still mad and uh, Vanessa's just trying to pretend that everything's okay. And Lillette's like, I can't be. I'm not. I'm not your girlfriend. I can't just be your girlfriend. You are just playing around and being selfish and not caring about what anybody else is dealing with. And I can't deal with you right now. And the, the fighting, the yelling. And when she says, where are you going at the end? So she's, I think Auli'i is one of the best actors I've ever seen or worked with or anything. And she doesn't believe she's a good, good actress. Um, I've had to tell her many times that she, <laughs> she should continue to do it because she thought she was, she told me she was going to stop. She's like, I was thinking I would just never act again and just keep doing music. And I'm like, um, oh, no. no, that would be such a shame for everybody. Yeah. I agree with you. She was she was definitely very talented. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> for and it there being were a lot like of... her first on-screen stuff, she's amazing. Yeah, there were a lot of young actors in this show. And um, like all of them did well. But she was one who like really stood out. I agree with you. Yeah. And I, I think that the Sasha and Michael scenes just made a lot more sense. Once you knew about the friendship and we got into episode eight, it was like, okay, it's clear there was a friendship here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we really, once we got through episode seven, um, Aaron and I, I think we were like, okay, we get this. Like, this makes sense now. And it just kind of clicked and we had a lot more chemistry. Um, and especially... Michael and Sasha dealing with something not just like rekindling the friendship because I think that that's always a really difficult um, thing to act to a difficult um, situation to have as an as an actor for your character to have as an actor um, is like you know fighting and like not like rekindling having conflict like that I think is always a really hard thing to portray sometimes whereas if you two are are together and struggling on something together then that's a little bit easier because you're in it together you know so it's like like your friendship is rekindled and um you know you're there for each other whereas when you're yeah when you're struggling with the friendship that's I I thought that was a really hard thing to to do since we were friends in real life Mm -hmm. um it was definitely hard to pretend like we weren't friends uh so yeah oh no episode eight I mean I think that's where I also really shined as an actor. Um, I think that those scenes were really well written. And actually, Jason wrote this episode. Um, hmm. And it's clear. It's just obvious that he did. Because it just all flowed. It, I think eight flows so much better than seven. 
and is one of the reasons I I did so well in it is because of his writing. He's sure. I, I crave authenticity, and he is the king of authenticity. So it just yeah, it's a good marriage there. From a, like a writing standpoint, I'm a little bit puzzled about why the uh, sort of role given to um, Macius at the beginning, where he uh, sort of introduces Lou to Michael, and then mm-hmm. later at the party where he sort of like hesitantly steps in to defend Michael. Michael. Mm-hmm. That yeah. seems like a it would have been a good opportunity to introduce Sasha instead as like a kind of... Oh, yeah. Acquaintance, like, slash friend at a distance of Michael's. That it would have sort of established that there was some kind of a relationship there. Um, I wonder if they did that just because they introduced so many characters in episode one that they were like, oh, well, Macius has already got lines. Let's just not introduce another character. But in retrospect, I think that would have been a little bit of a smoother transition into the the rekindled friendship later. Yeah, but, maybe. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just me. I don't write TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, Ali, when you talk about authenticity and, and, and how real this show felt, that's something that we've really echoed a lot the past couple episodes. It's just that this show feels so grounded that it yeah. just feels like you, the, the, the stakes are high for some people. The stakes are moderate for other people. We talked about how after burning the uh, Pirates of Penzance costumes, we, we were all prepared for that to be like, oh, that we're just not going to address that anymore. Like this crime right. that, that happened. <laughs> and the very next scene of the first step of the uh, next episode is Lou getting reamed out in the principal's office for, oh, you're going to pay for those. Like, I still just... think that was unrealistically mild as far yes, as a reaction yes. to a large bonfire in they, the school sure. parking lot. But okay. Oh, for sure. <laughs> But arresting the, the the drama teacher doesn't make for a great, you know, beginning of the sure, theater show. Sure. Um, but but yeah, it, it's just it having been around programs like this, having been around, you know, actors and actresses like this. One of the things that even like feels so true to form is that uh, Gwen, uh, Amy, Amy Forsyth character, mm-hmm. when she at the, I guess it's the end of episode seven. um when she finds out about her dad and Vanessa and Mm -hmm. she, she goes through like the, you know, I, the rebellion stage. And I can picture so many uh, girls that were in my theater program who said, who like in this dramatic headspace just said, well, you know what? I'm going to pierce my own nose. That's, Mm -hmm. that's how I'm going to go into dark Gwen. That's That's so (laughs) funny because that was like kind of Amy's idea. Really? Well, she had talked about piercing her nose, um, like in in real life. Yeah. Um, or no, she was talking about piercing her nose, and she was like, you know, I because I think Gwen would pierce her nose, you know, like just like mm-hmm. to like fuck everything. I'm gonna pierce my nose. Um, and then like suddenly we got episode eight, and she was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't realize they were listening. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was metal as fuck. Yeah, that, I mean that like. That was hashtag relatable. I, yeah. I definitely I I put three holes in my own ears. So yeah, in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's also was a, a lesson to learn that Jason listens and takes <laughs> ideas from you for sure. I mean, we had talked about some stuff with Jason, and he he really listens, and he just like kind of uh, 
translates that into his scripts and you can tell like oh wait we had a conversation about that and now suddenly we're doing it <laughs> yeah yeah jason had uh, had come to one of our rehearsals when i was working at truman um and just to interview some of the students there to talk to tracy and i happened to be one of the students there who had of course since i was older had worked directly with lou mm -hmm. and you know i was just kind of casually there but even that attention of of asking questions and you know and so what was your you know, I've heard about Tracy. What was your perception of Lou? Of just like oh, yeah. you, you could tell that he was he was he's constantly writing that script in his head. Yeah, um, no we we what. had conversations after we shot the pilot. We got picked up. Um, he he like emailed me. He was like, I want to have conversations with you about like your trans experience, about what you think you know Michael would go through. And like we had these talk. We had like three convers like conversations on the phone over the summer before we shot. Um, the rest of the season and he was just like he's he's very much that kind of writer that he needs like conversations with the actors he's working with and with the people who are inspiring these characters to really create something um, tangible sure sure yeah it, it, it and truly... it and it shows how much he cares yeah it was really his passion project and yeah. he cares so much and um cares about making things real and doing things right yeah were there uh, any uh scenes over the the course of the whole show that really stood out to you that you felt like he really listened to your perspective on oh yeah absolutely um well in the pilot uh the introduction of michael um was originally kind of an outing and i and it's, it's so funny because this is my first thing like ever <clears throat> and but I was like I think I should speak up because I don't want the first introduction of this character to be someone outing him and so <clears throat> I talked to them excuse me so I I spoke to the director and then talked to uh, Jason about it about how it would be better if, you know, maybe Macius and Michael kind of know each other and um, maybe Michael and Macius had a conversation and Macius said, hey, can I like, you know, can I tell the director about you? About, can I, can I tell the director about you being trans because he needs guys for the show? Like this is kind of like a, a fantasy made up scene that I came up with. And maybe Michael said yes. And so then that's how it happened. Whereas... He was like, hey, this is Michael. He um, is a really good singer. And, you know, Lou goes, he? And he goes, yeah, he. And he goes, are you comfortable with me talking with him? Is he comfortable with you telling me this? And Misha just goes, yeah, we talked about it. So that was kind of a, a scene that we worked on together to create those lines. That's so um, awesome. Yeah. That's really great. But he cared. He was like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, you, he, he knew I... I understood the situation more than he did and the effects that um, what he wrote could have on the audience. Um, and, and then from then on, I have had never felt scared to bring up any of my other concerns. Um, so, yeah. So yeah, I, I brought up other concerns too and talked about a bunch of other scenes and yeah, absolutely. A lot of the scenes um, I had an influence on, which is really, really, great of him to include his actors and, and give give their input on on things like that 
props to you for speaking up also like especially oh, yeah. this was your you said this was like your first acting job really right yeah. uh like a lot of people would not have had the courage to do that because well, it's the fear of like getting fired y- yeah exactly yeah but <laughs> I, I got I, laid I, off from yeah. my job in like September it's not acting but like I, ever since then I've been petrified that I'm gonna lose any given job at any given moment so right yeah yep. and you don't want to mess up a chance that you have but at the same time you know I knew I could make an impact with this character and I knew that we could do this character right and I knew we could show a character that no one's a trans character that no one's ever seen before and since I was part of it you know I I and I I trusted that Jason would listen because I uh, my favorite show of all time is Parenthood and I see what he does and I see the work that he makes um, and I just kind of knew I think in, in in my gut that he would listen and was lucky he did I do want to make one I, I did a lot of like hashtag trans discourse in the previous episode and like I'm I'm a trans man I transitioned years ago so like I've kind of got a stake in this too but mm-hmm. um I do wish there's a scene in, I think, episode eight where, um, like, Sasha and Michael are talking about, like, how awesome and accepting and understanding Michael's parents are. Yeah. And the only thing I wish is that we had got more of that. Because I think it's really important to, like, normalize trans characters. And I did say in our first episode of the podcast covering this show that this is a high school story and it is a coming of age story for all of the characters and for trans people coming of age is wrapped up in coming out and being trans and like sort of dealing with the ramifications of that in life. But um, while I'm not about to, to criticize any like good representation of trans people in media, um, I, I do wish we had more scenes of trans people just like going about their their lives without having to deal with being trans at every moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's the only thing that I really felt was like lacking here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, I think uh, an overall kind of thing that the show struggled with, and I think I'm accidentally pushing us into like negative section, but... I think there were so many characters and so many storylines that they had to introduce that they ended up cutting some of them a little bit short in favor of sort of filling out the rest of the cast. So we've got like 20 people whose lives we're following. And as a direct result of that, we can only go so deep into each person's life. We can only hit certain moments and certain highlights. So... It's also, I mean, unfortunate. Unfortunately, it has a lot to do with um, the status of the actor in the show, if you know what I mean. So I was not hired as a series regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hired as a guest star for season one. Um, so therefore, I, I, I'm well. I'm pretty. Sure, I'm not exactly one hundred percent sure how this works, but I do know that uh, obviously series regulars are leading the show Mm -hmm. so and they get paid more um therefore they get more story more storyline and uh so that's kind of how the how it goes too um and i do wish that we got into michael family stuff and jason and i uh 
we're talking about that stuff for season two um, when we had plans. So, uh, and unfortunately, here we are. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, we didn't get to get there. But um, yeah, I agree. But I hope that at least um, you felt that with Michael, at least past 107, that it was not about him being trans anymore. Um, I think um, that I- even past 104... Um, I mean, even though in 107 there is that little bit with the with Sasha's dick uh, boyfriend um, saying you're not a guy, uh, but I think even past 104, it, um, we kind of fell away from Michael being trans. So we hit it in episode four. Okay, he's trans. We had to just say it a couple of times for the audience to like get it in their heads. But yeah, so I hope. Yeah, that- and Ronnie, Ronnie made this argument, or was it? you andy that like on network tv you gotta smack people over the head with stuff every now and then yeah which you gotta remind people look i'm gonna complain about it because i appreciate subtlety in writing but i get it okay i I, I yeah no for real and i was i was playing it too and i had i was like uh okay this is a little and i brought things up to to uh jason too i brought up the football party thing and, you know, it, that was the thing we talked about. We, I think we made it lighter uh, from what I remember. Um, but I was like, okay, well, like this, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like how much we have to remind the audience that Michael's trans, like we get it. But Yeah, I didn't love that I, either. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But what I can do at least is play Michael as unapologetic and not going to step down because of bullies, not going to get beat down by bullies. And is going to stand there and face it, um, which I don't think we see often. I feel like sometimes trans characters uh, get smaller when they are affected, when they are faced by that. So that was, I was like, okay, if this is, if this has to happen, if we have to show Michael being trans over and over again, at least I have some control over the way I act it. So I hope that I came across in the way that, you know, I, I faced, no, that you- I had Michael face the, the bullies and instead of getting small yeah no you consistently did great uh i wasn't like thrilled about all of the writing and all of the parts but um like i said i'm i'm certainly not going to complain about a show that has a relatively prominent trans character uh whose life is relatively normal and who you know gets to have a storyline and some character development some narrative so yeah cool yeah. So before we move on to our uh, dislikes, the things dun, that didn't dun, work, dun. yeah, I want to do a couple things. First, I want to give a quick shout out uh, to Twitter user Lonely underscore Queen. That's Ilaria. Um, Ilaria is, you know, before I we started talking about Rise, I kind of put out the call knowing that there would certainly be some fans out there who are still hungry for more more of rise and uh and Ilaria is one of those those fans who stepped up and uh a total and, badass yeah oh awesome like was honestly was like i was been trying to get in touch with some folks from the cast and Ilaria was like uh ellie's pretty active on um instagram now uh, you should hit them up there and i said okay and here we are <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool. so uh yeah i just wanted to give that shout out uh some of the positives that uh that they shared was that you know it just they were not really a theater person or really even a fan of spring awakening at all and this show just kind of really awakened something inside of them that that made them want to you become might an say actress. it yeah no pun intended awoke 
<laughs> awoke something in him. Something yeah, was maybe. awakened. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, you, walk, just, you it, walked into that. I could not let it be. Sure did. Sure did. Yeah, um, yeah they, they, they echo some of our same uh, feelings that, that the show felt very real because you could see they could see themselves in these people, uh, their struggles, their dreams, um, that you can learn to dream and, and you have the right and duty to build the life you want that makes you happy and to not cave to the pressure that society places on you. Um, so thank you so much to Ilaria um, for, you know, just being a, a huge evangelist for this show for, while we're doing Rise. Um, they love the show. Ellie, they love your performance. Cool. Um, yeah. So Thanks. I just want to give a quick I'm shout out. So we are a part of the Lunar Light Studio network of podcasts, which is a great, great family to be a part of. It's full of gays. It is. <laughs> it's gay as shit. It so is. Gays. So, uh, so shout out to Lunar Light Studio. I want to mention specifically Ink Tank, uh, our good friend Lily Blue uh, hosts Ink Ink Tank, and uh, and just reviews um, animation. Uh, animated films from our childhood, from modern day, from real long time ago, and uh, and just does a tremendous job with really getting into the history of it and also kind of the technique and some of those those things that, you know, you could see how Disney and Don Blue films kind of look alike, but there's a lot more to it than that. So I've really been enjoying Ink Tank this past week. Uh, I started listening to Netflix and Kill. I finally started watch- or listening to something other than Cryptid Keeper. <laughs> no offense to everybody else. I just got, like, I always do that. I get on a roll and I just listen to a podcast all the way through. Um, but yeah, I, I very much enjoyed Netflix and Kill so far. There's only a few episodes, but uh, they talk about the uh, horror movies that are available on Netflix. Um <laughs> Most of them are bad. A lot of them are bad. Some of them are very good, but not most of them. I want to talk about uh, the Good Boys Girls because they just did an episode on uh, the No Bummers rule. If you're a McElroy fan, you know that uh, No Bummers is uh, something that gets repeated quite a bit. And while the idea behind that is we want to keep this fun and we want to get away from the shittiness that has been uh, a real life, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, it can also be problematic when it is used to silence um, people who are bring up, bringing up legitimate criticism, especially if they're from a marginalized group, because uh, as much as we love the good boys, sometimes they do uh, put their foot in their mouth a little bit. and um, They're growing and learning. They are. They are. And they're great. And uh, this episode had a lot of nuance in tackling that. And I really appreciated that uh, our good friends over on uh, the Good Boys Girls tackled it in such an interesting and positive way. Very cool. Very cool. You can find all those podcasts and more at LunarLightStudio.com. Thanks so much to Lunar Light Studio for having us. It is so much fun. Also, real quick, I got to say this. Uh... There's a fan discord for Lunar Light, and when you join it, uh, one of the questions is, what's your favorite podcast on the network? And um, no one no one said ending pending yet. 
And give uh, us compliments, you rubes. Uh, <laughs> if you want to interact with your your friends from the podcast, the different hosts are all very very active on there, and a lot of fans are super active on there. And if someone were to mention ending pending as their favorite, I sure would feel good about myself. Yes. Yeah. As always, right. we crave affirmation. That is that is the only reason that we're here. Uh, so, so yeah. At this point, we can go go around the horn a little bit. Uh, and you know, there are, there are some things they're not. I don't feel like they're as plentiful in these episodes. Uh, but we could talk about those things that just didn't quite work for us. Can I start? Yes, yes. Please. because it's very light. You can do whatever yes. you want, Ellie. The thing that that really it bothers me to the point of just like laughing about it in episode seven is why on earth is simon eating toast in the fucking drama classroom (laughs) and why is there a toaster and why is it just like fully stocked i'm so confused by that okay okay let me share an anecdote sure uh i was in theater in high school as all good gays and most allies are uh, and we were there real late one night, and all my teacher had for us to eat were tortillas, because oh, she was God. also the Spanish teacher, and they had had a, like, Hispanic food, like, party in Spanish class that day, and so she just had, like, all these packs of tortillas, that was the only thing that she had contributed that was left over. And so we were all sitting on the stage, cross-legged, stuffing tortillas in our mouths. So I'm not going to criticize anybody eating anything weird in any theater but why situation. But why is it fully stocked? stocked it's like a fully stocked, stocked like, like section in the room where there's like coffee and like there's like, like where did he, there's just like a loaf of bread there. That's how he, like what? <laughs> and like okay, butter, yeah, is I'll... there like, <laughs> like what? There's I a will fridge. You, that is unrealistic. <laughs> it's a little weird. <laughs> this is like spaghetti watch all over again. Yeah. I love it. The other thing that doesn't work for me is just in episode seven, I think um, the editing is kind of funny. Uh, I think the editing and the there's some shots that are like really um, I don't know questionable, um, and maybe it, and it just doesn't flow like as well as other episodes like the part where they they're like okay we're finally doing this the graveyard scene for the last time and it goes up and they do uh they did a steady cam shot on damon and it gets really close up to his face and he's like he like yeah. looks so like blank and then he like turns around and he goes back into the scene and i'm like what it's just a weird little shot that i don't think belonged yeah. um I know exactly. What you're and I don't. About. And that I don't weird. think it conveyed anything. Uh, that's pretty much all I have. Besides when uh, Lou storms out and acts like a a baby. Yep, hated that too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lou is pretty. I mean, Lou comes around in episode eight. Lou is pretty insufferable through episode seven. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's it's disappointing to see how it came across. Yeah. Um, in editing and stuff, because I don't think sure. that it really felt that way in 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 person when you were watching those scenes. So, yeah, I, I imagine like quite a bit of what I keep thinking is missing was cut because what I sort of have been missing um, up until this point was um, the show showing us in a more personal way, like what 
spring awakening means to the individual like of course we see the parallels we see like a parallel in their personal life as they're you know as they're rehearsing the show to whatever their character is going through but um up until this point it's been a lot of lou insisting like the show must be this way the show's very important the set must be this way the the casting must remain the same we must have this and this and that and like the the student actors just generally being like annoyed and like struggling to fit the play in with their other obligations and life stuff and school and uh, we don't hear from them a lot that they're really passionately invested in this the way that Lou is uh, yeah every true. now and then we don't get a lot of dialogue when it's about the inspiring stuff yeah, every now and then we get a little tidbit of it, but it is overwhelmingly Lou saying, this show means a whole lot to me, and therefore it will go forward the way we've, I say. We've gotten a little bit from Simon talking about that he thinks it's important and he thinks it means something. Sure. Uh, especially when he uh, stood up for the student who's... Uh, nope, that's episode nine. I that's episode nine? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oops. Spoilers. But you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's talked about in a really big way, babe, and it's going to get paid off, I promise. <laughs> but yeah, that's... Um, I've I- seen the future. <laughs> I mean, I think especially, like, in episode seven, it's just, I mean, Lou is dealing with his son's addiction a mm-hmm. lot, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't, but it does especially at the... You know, when, when Robbie is just still not getting it and he and Lou is like, you have to work for this. This is something you're going to have to put your work in and earn. And like, that's exactly what, you know, the uh, guy at the rehab center or the AA, the that AA guy um, mm-hmm. t- told Lou, like, he's going to have to put in the work. And so then you see Lou saying that to Damon. I was saying that to mm-hmm. Robbie. Um, so like there it comes out that he's frustrated with that. But then I don't get why he leaves you know i think that that part is a really i don't know why they wrote that he he leaves for rehearsal that's just very uncharacteristic of what a passionate drama teacher would do sure yeah and that's why i liked eight so much because i felt like that trend turned around uh, yeah absolutely who came down to earth much more and the uh the student passion like really became clearer Towards, towards these last couple of episodes. Yeah. Not specifically and exclusively. Hand motions and it's <laughs> not coming through. Not specifically and exclusively in episode eight, but eight is really when it came to a head, I think. Yeah, and speaking of eight, I don't think I really have... I don't think there was really anything that that didn't work for me. I think it all worked. Yeah, I'm... The only... The only thing that I would like pick at if I had to pick at something is that like, and this is always going to be hard to deal with in a show, but I was very like wary of like the potential abortion being kind of moralized in any way. And I don't think it, it fell that way, but at first it kind of felt like it was gonna, and I was like, Oh, this is going to be a, a morality thing. Oh, she's going to keep right. the baby because that's the right thing to do because the girl in the play got an abortion and she died, and this girl's going to keep the baby because that's what you should do. But um, I, yeah, we never really met that. I've always, I've also yeah. always struggled about like Michael's feelings about about everything. 
because it's clear Michael would like her to have an abortion, but pretty much only because he wants her to see her succeed. And um, <clears throat> we don't really get to that in this episode. Um, uh, but that's just kind of like where I was feeling in that in the moment with those scenes. I actually had to talk to the director and before we went into the sonogram scene and the director was um, Nestor. What's his last name? Oh, I should know this. He was on Gotham. Uh, Wikipedia says Nestor Carbonell. Yes, Nestor Carbonell. Um, he pulled me aside and he asked me before the sonogram scene, like, what does Michael want, Sasha? Like, what what is Michael? What is Michael's? What is the ideal outcome for Michael with this whole thing? And like, in that moment, I hadn't known yet that, and and it just came out, and I I said Michael wants her to have an abortion, and I've struggled with that because I'm like, I. I am pro-choice, and Michael is also pro-choice, but he cares so deeply about his friend, and they're also just children, so he doesn't know what to do. Talk about yeah. dealing with, like, really heavy, like, real-life real shit. shit. Yeah. In the At show. 15. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, in the show. Yeah, for sure. Dealing with that stuff and dealing with it, like, off-screen and uh, doing those that character development about it. Yeah, it was very... It was heavy. I think maybe that's what made everything so good between me and Sasha in episode eight because it was so heavy and we were in it together. So, um, I have a small nitpick from episode seven, um, and it involves Michael and Sasha. Actually, um, mm -hmm. I don't love that. It, it's a thing you see a lot with, uh, like queer stories is um when uh someone is about to come out they might like push some of their straight friends away and the straight friends take it super personally mm -hmm. and i feel like there needs to be more grace there i know that when i came out i had a lot of uh straight friends who didn't know beforehand be like how come you didn't tell me this sooner and it's like well gee like Maybe you should reflect on why I didn't feel like I could tell you this sooner. Maybe you shouldn't be blaming me for not trusting you. Um, and I felt like Sasha was kind of doing that a little bit with Michael. And it yeah, could that's just valid. be how it came out in the editing. But um, she kind of says like, oh, like you could have told me. Like you should have felt like you could tell me. And it's like, well, Michael didn't tell you for a reason, Sasha. And like, Yeah, I don't quite like the that. line where she says, I could have handled it. Yeah, um, but although there is good intention in that scene, and there's such good intention in what Sasha means, I don't think that line conveyed. I think that they that they could have that they could have written it better to convey that Sasha gave a shit about the yeah. struggle that Michael was going through. Um, yeah. But with I could have handled it, I don't think that that was really maybe the best way to go about it. So I agree with you there. And, and it's so it's so clear that she loves him and cares about him and that they're, they're close friends. But um, yeah, I think you're right on, on the money there with that line that it, uh, to, to me, I just wish it had been worded better or that maybe um, it was just treated just a little bit with more nuance because we see it in 
spoilers for Love, Simon, but we see it in, in Love, Simon, which just came out, uh, mm-hmm. what, like a year ago? But, yeah, about uh, a year ago. A lot of his friends kind of kind of give him some shit for not coming out to them sooner, and it's like, guys, come on, coming mm-hmm. out's hard, guys, yeah. come on. And like, if you're if you're a straight person and you consider yourself an ally, and you you have queer friends who just came out, like, it's not fucking about you. Yeah. PSA to straight people: if your friend comes out, um, just uh, just be chill about it. Don't. Don't don't grill them about why they didn't tell you sooner. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also think, I mean, I think you're totally valid in, in all of that. And I agree with you, especially in that scene where, with that specific line. Um, but I also think uh, since Sasha is going through a lot, that maybe the taking it personally is more to do with what she's struggling with. Um, oh, that's a good point, and just too. And just Shit. straight up missing him um, because he pulled away. Uh, so not exactly taking the queerness, like the the, I'm pulling away because I'm figuring out my transness. P- personally, I think it's just mostly, I miss you. I'm going through something, and I wish I could have told you, but you weren't there. That's real valid. I yeah. did not consider that. Because yeah, if they hit us over the head with a bunch of other like on the nose lines. They could have. They could have given us a little bit more on that. But exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's. I think that's where Aaron and I were that behind is, the scenes about all. Yeah, that that's stuff. that's. It's hard with with the lines that you have to convey the, the a better direction. You know. Yeah, you have so little time to like cover such a a deep and nuanced and complex subject and relationships, and also, only the lines that they're giving you. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, like, I'm a queer person in a committed queer relationship, and we're never going to have kids. And so me not picking up on a, a, the nuanced emotional state of uh, teen pregnancy, mm. like, that's very much outside my wheelhouse. That's not <laughs> something I ever that's have true. to worry or think about. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you're totally right that I just might have missed what her character was going through there um, to, to some degree. Um, shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I think that your point is valid too. Um, Ronnie, what about you? Because that was literally my only thing that I didn't love. I thought these two yeah. episodes were real strong. Yeah, I don't have much. Um, I had complained last episode that the Simon Jeremy uh stuff seemed a little bit out of nowhere. Um, and and you guys kind of were like, no. Nope, it was very, very you smelled very front that. And you smelled the that queer, queer tension. sexual tension yeah. a mile yeah. away. Yep, yep. Michael I smelled just... it too in episode <laughs> six. I don't know if you noticed, but you should go back and look because when Lou is is uh, is really excited about Macius's set uh, set design, uh, there's a moment where. Simon and Jeremy look at each other and Michael clocks it. So you should go back and look because I did that on purpose. Because <laughs> Michael was obsessed with Simon and Jeremy. <laughs> we 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 all can feel each other. Yeah. Us us queers. It's like we, magnetic we, energy. We go on yeah. packs. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um and, and and so I was I was rightfully wrapped on the knuckles for not for not picking up on that. This time, no, though, we didn't wrap you on the knuck. We know. Well, I mean, we you're how, you're yeah. 200 miles away, but you know, basically. Um, 
but this time it it seemed a little bit more out of nowhere because even and again get ready get ready to tell me how i'm wrong but jeremy just kind of tends to feel this like ownership over simon it seems like even though like they kissed and like yes they kissed but it was kind of like a a one-off thing and then he finds out that he's dating quote-unquote annabelle and he's like it, it just shuts down and i understand that like he clearly has very strong feelings for simon yeah but I mean, he kind of the lines there kind of make it seem like it's like no, like we have something, and Simon's like, even if there is that tension there, I feel like that's kind of like where where is this coming from? Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that Jeremy is sometimes misled about what's going on on stage, and even though what's going on on stage is Simon's feelings bleeding into his acting, you know, Simon still says it is acting and it is on stage, and um. Simon, I mean, Jeremy is like, well, I don't believe you. But at the same time, it's just like how, I mean, there is a feeling there. And I, but I, and I do feel the same way about the ownership thing. It's like, you did kiss him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You didn't just kiss each other. Like you kissed him first and you didn't ask. (laughs) And yeah. I, I, I do hard agree. Um, I think Jeremy is, uh, too pushy and like too forward and uh doesn't really seem to be understanding of simon's situation yeah because even if he even if simon were like coming to terms with his sexuality and you know how to deal with that in relation to his faith and his family and stuff like that uh that's not really anybody's right to like nose in on that and be like hey uh you're gay and we're together now because i decided like yeah uh yeah i i agree with you i do what we were talking to ronnie about before was that um i do think uh maybe it wasn't like totally explicit in the narrative but i do think that there were a lot of like glances between uh Simon and Jeremy and a lot of uh kind of uh awkward sexually charged conversations that they had like enough to make it clear that uh that Simon yeah Simon was attracted to him in like and real life real life attracted to him not uh, mm-hmm. not stage good acting attracted to him oh yeah for sure and, i mean uh, he's that's he's totally uses that as a cover like it was acting and it's like yeah it yeah. was acting but your feelings bled through and you can't couldn't help that <laughs> so yeah i do think uh i do think the sexual tension was more obvious than ronnie thought but i do agree with ronnie <laughs> that uh jeremy was way too pushy he's and way too forward and yeah needs to like lay off also annabelle uh like I love in Scott Pilgrim when uh, Scott and Ramona are going to sleep together and Ramona realizes Scott's not totally into it and, and like stops it. And uh, poor Simon's girlfriend was just not cool with him having like a panic attack. And yeah, she was not chill about that at all. No, sex is a big deal, especially when you're a teenager. And she she was not very understanding. Yeah, I can tell you a little bit of background if you wanted to hear it. Yeah, always want to hear more background. 
Well, the whole thing is, and I, I, in the script, it does say that it she, in in her in her feelings right then and there, she feels like Simon doesn't want to do something with her because she's unattractive. She feels that he thinks he's that he thinks she's unattractive. I, I got a sense that that's what they were trying for, but they hadn't established yeah, that prior. Yeah, I don't think it came out, they, yeah. They had not, they hadn't set up uh, that she had a lot of insecurities in, it's true. in any of her uh, her dialogue or scenes before. That's very true. She does come across very confident. Yeah, if they had set up before that she had a lot of, like, body insecurities or that, like, um, you know, she was, like getting over some issues or something like that, it would have made a lot more sense. Mm -hmm, That's true. Um, But yeah, so I I get what you're saying. And like that sort of, if you're looking at it retrospectively, that's kind of the only explanation that makes sense. But you have to like sort of squint and piece that together. So it's also like, I mean, I'll, I'll just kind of speak plainly, uh, but that that's a little bit shitty to Shannon, to Shannon Purser. To like that, like without any dialogue, we're supposed to assume that like she feels a certain way about her. Shannon is an absolutely beautiful person. Oh, I know she's gorgeous. And so, like that, that that's such such a strange line that they want us to connect on our own. Mm-hmm. When that's like you said, there's no like she's very confident. She's 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 going for it the whole time. Like it it just it that's a little little tasteless. I feel like. Yeah, you're right, Ronnie. I feel like they they just thought like oh well yeah the audience will think it's obvious that she's insecure about herself like right yeah yeah we didn't we did not think that no no (laughs) gross on a lighter note this is really funny and i never noticed it in the script but it says simon and annabelle are wrapped in the pink girly sheets on her bed having sex surrounded by posters of many many broadway shows (laughs) 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 it's hysterical (laughs) that's how it should always be done honestly (sighs) <sighs> um yeah but other than that i have no complaints this show is absolute gold it's so um, did any of you so have anything like to say about episode eight any complaints about episode no eight? episode Not eight really. is so uh, good yeah, all yeah the kind episode of eight stuff, is fucking good <laughs> yeah episode eight is i i would say one of if not the best so far yeah i love what yeah. i love the whole cute friendship that starts with robbie and gordy yeah. It's like, come on, throw with me. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, yeah, they found uh, two bottles of liquor in my locker. And Robbie's like, ha ha. <laughs> oh, shit, you're serious. <laughs> oh, you're serious. Yeah. I really loved where Gordy went in, in episode eight. And uh, I think even a little bit in seven, where I had found the character to be a bit exhausting early on. Um, just because, like, teen angst is... A little exhausting, which and, is not to like make light of the issues he was going. No, through, no, he was. He, no, I don't think you were alone. It's heavy stuff, yeah. but like, yeah. uh, all we had seen from Gordy up until I, I think very recently was just like hardcore angst, uh, and I wanted to see more from him, and we got it, and it was so yeah. fun. Yeah, just seeing him have friendship and and stuff is great, and feelings. Yeah. Besides yeah. being mad at his dad or struggling with, with addiction. Yeah, and I, 
I think Casey is a really great, great actor. I think he did a really good job with the development. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Yeah. And um, also Amy. Oh my God, Amy. Oh yeah. She's so great. She's very mm-hmm. real on camera. Yeah. I noticed the, the steady cam shot you were talking about with Robbie. I'm now remembering that it was also used in that final scene where, you know, Gwen is is slowly approaching Gordy in the uh, oh yeah the I know room. they they were like let's just use the steady cam a yeah. lot in this episode exactly yeah <laughs> and it, it was, was like yeah. was it just for fun or like right, practice right, right. for other episodes yeah it was fun right. kind of weird it like it, it's definitely weird I feel like it works more there just because yeah, like it absolutely worked you, there more even though it is just a nose ring there is a full attitude change with Gwen right where it's like like you can kind of it's like almost like that Jaws moment of like she's constantly getting closer, getting closer, and like that, that you know, really just drama and like knowing her, just like the, her positivity about what she's about to do is just like so, so overwhelming mm-hmm. that I feel like that you know her filling up the frame like that is just like it works a lot better because she's just kind of dominating that scene and the rest of the episode. Yeah. I- I love the girl who uh, who made the, the the scandalous video when she admits to it. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I thought that was going to be an I am Spartacus moment. She was like, I made it. And then they were all like, no, I made it. No, I made it. Oh, my God. Just, just, just how she like she looks so scared. And she's like, it was me. And oh, uh, that girl prin- definitely writs fan fiction. The, like, sexual <laughs> thing. Like, the the principal's like take it down now and she like scurries off i was cracking up oh my god that, that is yeah that's that, that was a tough scene too though because like if the embarrassment that happened in the room like all of that i don't it, you should watch it again and like look at all of our reactions in the back i like have my hand up covering my face i'm like this is awful <laughs> <laughs> oh god no that is, uh, I don't know about other people's theater programs. Once uh, smartphones came into prominence, that was a like hard and fast rule of theater. It's like no video, no photographs, specifically for that reason, because people are in some real compromising positions. And well, out of context, this all looks funny, terrible. What's funny is that the the video itself, the sizzle reel, is so it's too well done. First of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also she's in it. So who's filming? <laughs> <laughs> she's in the videos. I did not right. notice that. She yeah. took the fall for somebody. Hashtag yeah. conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, my there are some real. Did, my high school there... did Greece. Uh, my junior year, and for uh, Sandra D's bedroom for the slumber party, there was an actual bed. And a lot of bad things happened. And thank God that no one made a sizzle reel (laughs) (laughs) to sell tickets to Greece. That was a huge mistake. I don't know what the theater head was thinking about, like putting a bed backstage. Yeah. Huge mistake. All right. Have we have we reached the end of our uh, our our ranting and raving about all these negative things that happen in these episodes? Ronnie, you should be proud of me. I, I you. I Evan, had, can I, I had can lots. I say I'm so proud of you? Yeah, Ellie, I have a disease that makes me allergic to fun and joy, and I hate everything <laughs> except me. 
Except Andy. Yay. Yeah. But I'm always the one who's got, like, all kinds of shit to complain about. <laughs> but no, I genuinely, like, I genuinely liked especially episode eight. Uh, yeah. Episode seven, I was ready to be mad about, but episode eight smoothed it all over. Can we just say fuck that radio show host too? Yeah, yeah. what a yeah. dick. Also, look, maybe this is totally outside of my experience, but are there radio shows that talk about high school football in the local town in the South? Yes, I think so. This is in Pittsburgh? Pennsylvania. Well, yeah, yeah, it's in it's by Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, it's by Pittsburgh. I will say maybe? that because because Pennsylvania is a thing. In Bristol Township, where Truman is, WBCB Radio certainly talks about the Truman Tigers every uh, every uh, Thursday, I believe, before the All game. Right. So I stand corrected. There we go. Listen, let me let me tell you something about sports, Evan. People really care about them. <laughs> they care about them. People well, like them. End of story. Comes from you know Jason's Friday Night Lights. Uh, sure. Oh yeah. Energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so um, still, but fuck that radio host. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um so now that we have come to the end of episode eight eight whole episodes of NBC's Rise, uh I gotta ask, uh Andy. Yeah. These the whole kit and caboodle, every last bit of Rise, is it working for you? Uh, yeah, it hasn't changed for me yet. I liked it from the start, and I'm still really enjoying it, and, uh, I'm anxious to see where it goes, because I didn't realize I only had one episode left after watching it <laughs> by accident, so I'm yep. real anxious. <laughs> uh, Evan. Yes, Ronnie. This, the whole, whole nine yards of NBC's Rise the whole eight yards, whole eight episodes, every episode is measured in yards. Is it working for you? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, my, Sorry I'll, to throw I'll, you off there a little bit. <laughs> We're good at talking into the microphones and shit with the words. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, my, my interest has waxed. My interest has waned. My interest has waxed again. I'll give it to you, Ronnie. It is indeed working. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that waxy interest, mm-hmm. uh, Ellie. Yes. These eight episodes of NBC's Rise did they work for you? Absolutely. Yep. I mean, no, what did, what did you think show. they were gonna say? <laughs> no, like, come on. No, Ellie, you worked for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone's show. It's a. a I it, this show obviously will hold a special place in my heart forever. So, yes, it will always work. It worked. It should have been allowed to continue to work. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll sign a petition for a season two. Who's got that? Well, sure. Where's, where's oh, that? We'll petition? see how that works. There's that, a lot that, that hasn't look, worked. Look, yet. that's how the internet works. I don't know if you know. If enough people sign a petition, it becomes the law. <laughs> Like the the petition joke aside, that's why we do this podcast. Is we love finding these really great shows that should have been given more of a chance, and or in some cases, terrible shows that should not have been given more of a chance. That's true too. We do sometimes. Call <laughs> there those. there are some bad ones, but this is not one of them. And this this show had something to say, and it had a lot of heart, and it had a ton of talent. And it's it's a shame that we only got ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
Ronald? Yes? Uh, how's your night? <laughs> it's going pretty good. Having fun. Talking to some friends. Hell yeah. Yeah. These, these eight episodes working for you? Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, you know, there there are some some bumps bumps in the road, but there's nothing going to stop my stop my stride about Rise. I, I love it. It's great. Um, I loved it when I lived it. I loved it in Drama High, the book. I loved it on the screen. And speaking of that, um, we talked a little bit last time about, uh, about Lou, about Lou, the character on the show and Lou, the metaphor, kind of, kind of the, the, the myth of Lou, of that teacher, whether it's theater or otherwise, who really challenges you and pushes you to, to excel in any given area and kind of step outside your comfort zone to a point that, you know, they know you can do it. Um, and so I just thought we could talk for a little bit, real quick, about, you know, our Lou, uh, our, our individual Lou's through high school, college, whatever it might be, who kind of pushed you to achieve more than you maybe thought you could. Yeah, I've been thinking hard this whole episode, and I finally got the teacher who I think had the most influence on me as a person. And that would have been Mrs. O'Brien in high school. I was, uh... I was very, I don't want to say, I don't want to say gifted because that sounds pretentious, but I was, uh, I was very into, uh, reading and writing. I was, uh, by senior year, I was in like three AP English classes, the max number of AP English classes they offered. And I had an English teacher named, uh, Mrs. O'Brien. And I went to a Catholic school that was like very buttoned up and repressed and, uh, Mrs. O'Brien, I don't know quite how she got a job at a Catholic school, but um, she was real out there, and she was very willing to like share uh, provocative theories with us and like provocative literature and have frank discussions with us in an environment where a lot of people were not chill about that. So... Mrs. O'Brien, wherever you are, I appreciate you. You you made a good impact on me in my life. Ellie, did you, did you have a Lou that uh that made a difference for you? Yeah, when I was in college, I took acting for the camera, and that was not where I knew I would become a screen actor. I knew I wanted to be a screen actor before I took that class, um, but that's where I learned it that's 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 the place i i learned how to do it because i had no idea how to do it at all i had acted on stage and my professor was mr john huberth um nickname we call him hubie and uh he is my mentor to this day and i think it's super funny that i have this i think he's 74 right now i think it's funny that i have a 74 year old friend um but he, I, he's not, he was never a, a pushy kind of person. Like he was never very like in my face, like you can do it, passionate kind of person. He's like this matter of fact guy and always saw what I had to offer to screen acting and to myself and um, didn't stop pushing me to do more. And after I took the first, the only two 
um, acting for the camera courses that they offered. Uh, he uh, said that he could have me back for acting for the camera one again, but he would make it acting for the camera three for me. And so that was that. <laughs> and then I took that class. And then when I was done with that, I said, I won't come back. It's I'm, I'm done. I won't come back. And then later on, he was like, wait, are you going to? Are you going to take the class again? And I was like, I thought you didn't want me. He was like, you should. And I was like, all right. And so I took acting for the camera four. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was amazing that he would, he that he took the time to change the course a little bit for me to make it more challenging to give me the, um, the opportunity to continue doing what he saw I was passionate about. And could actually make a career in. So, thanks, Hubie. That's super cool. That's awesome. Andy, how about uh, how about you? Who's your Lou? So, uh, senior year, uh, my high school's main theater director retired, and uh, her job went to uh, a teacher named Leah, and Leah's assistant director was Amy, and about a month into rehearsals for the play. Uh, Leah had to leave because she got pregnant and uh, had a baby. And then it was just Amy. And Amy was like the coolest and was awesome and really encouraged me and uh, really pushed me to to go for it um, and was just a really great person to like talk to. And... Um, we even stayed in touch after I graduated high school a little bit and then uh, kind of reconnected when I graduated college and uh, we got coffee together once I came out and stuff too. And she's just been someone that I really look up to. And even though um, like we've always had that kind of weird, like you're my teacher and we're kind of friends now that I'm an adult, uh, just I know that I could like reach out to her even now if I wanted to and we could talk and stuff. Uh, but just really pushed me further. And I'll never forget that opening night she read Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss to all of us, which was adorable and really encouraging. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. I know you got a story. You're... You have the real Lou. Yeah, I was going to say... Yeah. the. Not eponymous, but the, the this story, this specific sure. one that Not we're Ted learning Mosby, about. Not Ted but the real Not, Lou. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm cheating a little bit because I, I, my Lou is Lou. Um, or Volp. Volp, as we called him. Lou Volpe. It's hard to really encapsulate exactly what Lou meant to me and so many others. Uh, clearly, because there is a pretty hefty book over on my bookshelf right now that... that uh, that tried to come close and still couldn't get all of it in there. Um, I learned so much from, from Volt, whether it was through theater classes, theater one, theater two, theater, uh, musical theater, uh, all the theater classes, all the, all the shows that I was in. He, he's so prolific. You know, he, he had this job for 40, 45 years, um, and had seen so many students come through. So, my life would be very different today and much worse today if it wasn't for Volpe kind of stepping outside of what it means to be a teacher and kind of having real heart-heart conversations with just, you know, 
the the senior who was also in the musical at that point um one one thing i remember i was um a a freshman i was in beauty and the beast as as maurice as a named role i got to be in aida i got to be in the first high school production of rent um which was a very small cast and and was the lead in blood brothers and so you know not a lot of other actors in that program had 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 you know and now i'm bragging but um as a we we were all part of the national thespian society and for one year only they gave us these cords that someone could wear at graduation and we didn't really have anyone to wear them with and you know volpe put all of our names into a box and and shuffled them up and i'll never forget kind of the glint in his eye as he picked out the name and said ron and i was and it just i'm reading into it but it just felt like he was you know that if if he could have willed it, it seemed like that's what he would have picked, and it it just meant a lot. And and you know, there's there's so many stories I could tell, but again, there there it's it's too prolific to even get into. But it, it it's exactly what y'all said. There's there's nothing like that teacher, and and Volp was certainly that teacher for me. Yeah. Aww. That's yeah. So cute. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Um. So yeah. Uh. We'll, next week, we'll be covering episodes uh, 9 and 10 of Rise. Thank you again to to Sai from Twitter. Thank you again to Ilaria. Thank you so much to everyone from hashtag Rise Again, hashtag uh, Keep On Rising. That wasn't one of them. Uh, hashtag. <laughs> Ronnie just hash, made up a hashtag. I just, just made now. up a hashtag. I'm a social media maven over here. I don't know if you know about that. Um yeah, thanks to everyone uh, who's been a big fan of Rise and who's kind of been pushing the show on Twitter and Facebook and all, and and, and we hope to, that uh, we can we can give you a little more of that taste. That and we thank you, Ellie. Of course, and thank you so much, Ellie. Yeah, we You're appreciate you so much giving of your time and your talents and your mm-hmm. attention. Of course, I will talk about Rise any day, every day. All hours of the night. I, I love Rise. <laughs> it's very late at night now, so thank you for yeah. staying yeah. up this late. Of yeah. course, yeah. Ellie, if people want to talk to you about Rise or just about anything in general, uh, where can they follow you? They can follow me at, on Instagram. Um, I, my handle is oh, you know Ellie, like O-H, like, oh, you know, Ellie. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, I'll talk about Rise all, any, any time. Fantastic. Thank you again so much. Well, whatever you do, just don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. <laughs> don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. Don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. <laughs> <laughs>